Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Oh God, we do thank you for your love. That's why we're here this morning to gather around the story, the promise of your love. It's pouring into the creation, pouring into our lives that we come to know through the person of Jesus. And so as we now open the scripture and try to listen for your voice speaking into our lives, we pray for your help. Lord, would you help us hear your voice speaking love into our lives that it might flow more fully through us. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, good morning, friends. We are in the book of Luke, chapter seven today. And this is the story. It goes like this. Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son and she was a widow. And with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her and said to her, do not weep. And then he came forward and touched the stretcher and those carrying the stretcher all stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man, he sat up and he began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized everyone. And they all glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about Jesus, it spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, what a fantastic resurrection story right here in the middle of Luke's gospel. Well, as is the case in every passage in the Bible, there are a lot of different things to focus on. But in a sermon, what you always get is whatever it is that is standing out to that particular preacher. The sermon is, of course, no exception. This is a really powerful story about Jesus who can raise the dead back to life. But I'm not going to focus on that for today. And this is also a story about how Jesus transformed this woman's deep sadness into tremendous joy. But I'm not going to focus on that either. My interest in this story, what grabs my attention, is not so much what happens to this dead man or the widow or even the crowd. I'm interested in what happened to Jesus. Jesus and his, and his disciples, they're traveling along and they arrive in this town called Nain. This is in the northern part of Israel, the region of Galilee, just outside Jesus's hometown of Nazareth. 
And here in the town of Nain, Jesus sees a, a crowd of people, a parade of people, really, carrying this dead man out on a stretcher. They didn't do coffins back then. They did stretchers. And they're making their way out of the gate that surrounds the city because the dead were always buried outside of the city gates. Now, this young man, he is the only son of a widow. Jesus, he sees all this commotion. He hears all the voices and the noise and the wailing. We can imagine the dust kicking up in his face from the ground. And rather than just getting on through this craziness, he stops. And he does so, Luke tells us, because Jesus was deeply moved by what he way what he saw and he had compassion for this woman which means Jesus felt her pain and he felt her heartbreak we can imagine Jesus standing suddenly very still stopping his journey and a tear coming to his eyes as he watched her from a distance so I want to imagine that this is a movie and we're going to press the pause button right here Right here on this word compassion is where I want to pause. The word passion means to suffer, come means with. So this is literally to suffer with. The Greek word for compassion is splagnizomai. Say that 10 times fast, splagnizomai. <laughs> the root of this word is splagna, and this has to do with the internal organs, literally the bowels. To have compassion for someone means that you are so moved that you feel it in the pit of your stomach. Luke is telling us that Jesus is feeling her anguish inside his own body, as if he's been punched in the stomach. She is a widow and she's grieving the loss of her only son. But there's a bit more going on here than just her grieving her son. Because in biblical times, as it is still in much of the world today, women needed a male provider. They needed a husband or a son to give them both legal and social protection. Having lost her husband and her now only son, this woman is in, a, in an extremely vulnerable position. Her life was now literally on the line because having lost her son, the widow was now on the outskirts of society, quite likely to become hungry, poor, and even preyed upon by other people. So losing her son meant that she was now a part of the social welfare program of the day she would now be overlooked by many. She would now be seen as a nuisance by others. Sort of like it is with many of the people who are experiencing homelessness, right? Uh, we might say that at one level they are on the outskirts of society. They're certainly looked down upon by many, seen as a nuisance, as a burden to our taxpayer dollars. And even for those of us maybe who have a softer heart, the tendency when we see someone who's homeless sometimes is to look away because it's uncomfortable. And it's really sad to see someone living on the streets. But in this particular story, we are reminded that Jesus, the Jesus that we're seeking to follow 
he never looked away from that which was upsetting or really uncomfortable. Jesus here in this story, he stops his journey because of his great compassion. This compassionate nature of God is something that we read about all over the Bible. We read about the compassion that God had for the Hebrew people, especially when they were slaves. The compassion of God is a refrain that's repeated again and again in the Psalms, which is the prayer book of the Bible. And certainly in all these Jesus stories, we come to know of the compassion of God. Well, I want to share a story with you that I heard recently that I think brings this down, brings this home, down out of the, the, the lofty skies and into kind of a more understandable way of talking about it. This is a story called The Whisper Test. And it's a true story about a woman whose name was Marianne Bird. Marianne was born with multiple birth defects. She was deaf in one ear. She had a cleft palate. She had a disfigured face, a crooked nose, and lopsided feet. And during her childhood, Marianne suffered through these many physical impairments, of course, but she also, as we can imagine, endured the emotional damage inflicted upon her by other kids. Marianne, her classmates would taunt, what happened to your lip? I cut it on a piece of glass, she would lie to them. Every year at school, Marianne and her classmates took what was called the whisper test. It was an annual hearing check, which back then was conducted by the teacher. The teacher would call each child in the class to her desk. The child would cover first one ear and then the other. And the teacher would then whisper something to the child like, the sky is blue or you have new shoes. It was the whisper test. If the child could hear and repeat the sentence, he or she would pass. Little Marianne was terrified that she would fail. And so to avoid humiliation, she would cheat on the whisper test, secretly cupping her hand over her one good ear so that she could still hear what the teacher was saying. Well, one year, Marianne was in Miss Leonard's class. Miss Leonard was one of the most beloved teachers in the whole school. Every child, including Marianne, wanted so badly to be noticed by Miss Leonard, to be loved by her. The day of the dreaded hearing test came. It was her turn. Marianne was called up to Miss Leonard's desk and as she cupped her hand over her good ear, Miss Leonard leaned forward to whisper in her ear. I waited for those words, Marianne writes, those words which God must have put into her mouth, those seven words which changed my life. Miss Leonard did not say the sky is blue. She did not say, you have new shoes. What she whispered to that broken, beautiful girl was, I wish you were my little girl. And from that moment on, 
<laughs> From that moment on, Marianne dared to believe that she was a person of inner beauty and worth. After this, nothing changed for Marianne. Kids still teased her. Life was still very hard. But on the inside, it made all the difference in the world. Her teacher said that she was loved and lovable, a person of inner beauty and worth. In our heart of hearts, isn't this what we all want to hear? That no matter who we are, what we look like, no matter how much we may feel inferior to others in some way, no matter what mistakes we've made, no matter what's happened to us, no matter what we've done or not done, that we are enough just as we are, that we too are loved, we are lovable, we are a person of inner beauty and great worth. Because like Marianne, many of us have things in our lives that may not change. The wounds are still there, the fear, the shame, the grief, whatever it is, it remains. The struggle goes on. But what might we find for our own lives if we listened more closely for what God is whispering into our ears? I wonder if we might find more resiliency to live the particular lives that we are called to live. Maybe we'd even find more joy or more peace like Marianne did. The witness of the story about Jesus and the widow points to the greater biblical story about God's great love for all of us. And the great spiritual leaders say that God is always speaking, always speaking love into the creation. We might say that God is always whispering into our ears. It's just that we usually aren't listening. We're busy, we're distracted. We don't really know how to listen to one who doesn't talk with human words. And so St. Ignatius and others, they talk a lot about this, learning to listen to God by listening to our own lives not just through the words and the stories of the Bible, but also through our own thoughts and our experiences and our feelings, through all five senses, through other people and countless other ways. To listen, trusting that God is always speaking. We just need to learn how to listen. So how about this? Next time you're outside, or maybe even in your backyard and you notice something that's particularly beautiful or just something that strikes you. Maybe it's the plants or the trees or a bird singing or a beautiful sunset. Can you see it as God speaking love into the creation, encouraging you along your way by what you notice? Or what about people as flawed and frustrating as we all are? The next time someone extends grace to you, can you see this as this person embodying God's love and grace to you? 
Or what about good food? Next time you eat something really amazing or you drink an outstanding cup of coffee, can you see that for what it is? God giving us nourishment to keep us going for another day. I am convinced that the more we learn to listen and to look for God's love, for God's grace, speaking into our own lives, the more we naturally then grow to embody God's love for one another. That's what we see in this story with Luke that he tells us, Jesus, the God-man, the God-man full of God's love. He sees this woman and then God's love just naturally pours out of him to this widow. Well, to be honest with you, I continue to feel like words fail <laughs> to describe what we're trying to talk about here. I mean, how can we possibly use words to talk about this profound mystery of a creator whose heart beats with compassion for the creation? I think we need help from the mystics and from the musicians. We need help from the poets and the artists, and we need help from those contemplative practices, silence, solitude, stillness. And so I wanna end with a poem. This is a poem by Jan Richardson. She's an artist, uh, writer, poet, and she's a United Methodist minister. And the poem is called, Beloved is where we begin. And it's basically a poem about how God calls us beloved. That's our name, the most true and important thing that can be said about who we are. And in the beginning of the poem, she talks about entering the wilderness with a blessing. And since life, I think, can be described as a wilderness, perhaps we might think of this as a blessing simply leading us into the rest of this wilderness day or week or year. This is Beloved is Where We Begin. If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are. Beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. This is what this journey is for. I cannot promise this blessing will free you from danger, from fear, from hunger or thirst, from the scorching of sun or the fall of the night. But I can tell you that on this path, there will be help. I can tell you that on this way, there will be rest. I can tell you that you will know the strange graces that come to our aid only on a road such as this, that fly to meet us bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves toward our ear and with their curious insistence, whisper our name. Beloved, 
beloved, beloved. And so for our time of reflection today, I wanna to do something a little different. I wanna invite us just to sit quietly, to let this sink in, to reflect on this God who loves us, who has compassion for us, and who promises, as she said in this poem, to give us rest, to give us help. And so I invite you just to sit comfortably where you are, close your eyes if you like, and let's just take some time to enjoy basking in the presence of God and becoming more aware of God's presence.